they're very, very dangerous. If you spotty sense, you know, I was like, oh, something's off. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I'm waiting to hear something, you know. crazy I'm just like man I'm waiting to hear something you know what's going on guys and welcome to the Father's Day edition of the War Cry podcast I'm your host Jehola Tiger just hanging out, you know, being a dad, you know, enjoying my uh, my holiday. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. I saw a, a comedic bit. I think it was from from Ali Sadiq. Basically, you know, Mother's Day. You see all these Mother's Day sales. They got all this discounted stuff, and dads were getting grilling equipment. Come on now. Maybe I need a new pair of shorts. Maybe my underwear is rot. Like, maybe my underwear's got holes in it. You know? Maybe I've been flipping them back and forth for a few days. You know, maybe we out here in dire straits. So, y'all got to help us out, man. Y'all got to so do something for us for us dads who we need new underwear. We need new t-shirts. We got our t-shirts all pitted out. You know, we got to do something for us, but... <laughs> But I appreciate you guys listening in uh, today. And, you know, this this episode is, is dedicated to my dad, um, you know, YT3. You know, I always laugh. But, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, the intro is a new, it's a, it's not a new intro. It's it's something that I've been cooking up uh, This for specifically Father's Day. Because, you know, core memory for me, you know, growing up. As I was sitting, we were sitting in the car, we were driving somewhere. I can't remember where we were driving, but you know, I heard that opening riff of It Ain't Like That by Allison Chains, and it changed my life. It changed who I was. Like that, that time where that music just hits, and you just like, Oh, I'm different now. I'm built like that now. Like, I'm, I'm a different dude. I'm a different cat. Well, that's what that song did, did for me, you know, growing up. And so. You know, I, that's a little paying a little homage to, to to my childhood and also to my dad, and and I know he's going to be listening to this. So, I, Dad, I appreciate you, um, everything you've done for me and and me and my brother. And um, you know, it's just crazy. You know, I like I remember being a kid. Like I I still remember being a kid, and I'm blinking and now. I got kids, and you know, so it's crazy. But Dad, love you, appreciate you. Um. I'm this this episode is for you. Um, we're always talking about different kind of creepy things that go on here in Oklahoma locally, just in kind of random places. Um, and so this episode is going to be a, it might be a part one. I know there's a lot a lot of things out here about the about Oklahoma and their in our and our, and what we got going on. But this episode is going to be about Oklahoma myths and legends. Part one. 
Maybe we'll see. Um, and to, to start us off, you know, start us off right. Um, I know on on uh, Spirit Talkers podcast, like episode, I can't remember. Anyways, we talked about spook lights, um, and spook lights are all over the place, and. Kind of where they get their, I wouldn't say origin, but I'd say more of like where they became kind of famous, I guess. Uh, it was basically in like a northeastern part of the state um, in, in a small town, you know, Peoria, Miami. Um, I'm trying to think of the other place. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it'll come to me, but. But that this legend, I remember, you know, being a, a younger guy and hearing about, you know, those Miami spook lights. And, you know, for a long time, it's kind of plagued this area. I mean, some say back 100 years, if not more. Um, and, you know, some people, like, you know, they credit it to, you know, like to basically like a, like a gas or mineral type thing. Where like like gas or fumes come up and it creates this light and and it retracts off the head the headlight beams, but then also too you know they've also kind of discredited that too as well. Uh, but numerous like local legends that have tried to explain the phenomenon, and, you know everything from star crust lovers who you know basically leapt to their deaths off a bridge, to a Civil War soldier who was struck in the head by a cannonball. Um, but it's been, you know, they've tried to do everything to find the source of this anomaly. Uh, if I can say that word, I cannot say it. anomaly, whatever, of this phenomenon. We'll go with that. But one of the, like one of the most popular kind of theories is that a local, uh, local miner tried, uh, basically lost his head in a mining accident and now wanders around with a headlamp searching for his, like basically his head. <laughs> Um, but the only thing that we know for certain is that, um, the Army Corps of Engineers described the spook light as a mysterious light of unknown origin. Um, and they did that in, and that was basically what they said in 1946. But, it, and it remains kind of one of these unexplained phenomenon with these lights. And, you know, my, my dad, he, he travels around a lot here kind of locally, I guess in northeastern part of the state and, He's come across a few of those lights. You know, Cherokees, we call them, we, we call them like, uh, jack-o'-lanterns, I guess is what kind of we call them. But, you know, this spook light is more like a kind of a green orb. But what we, what Cherokees see, and I know Creeks see this, and I know there's a spook light out in Eufaula, kind of over there by old, uh, I'm trying to think of where that road is, but it's where the old grounds were from, from, uh, my people. And so, you know, that, that's been known out there and they, you know, there's been a story one time that I had a, a relative of mine who basically, you know, they had some people at the car and they were trying to point him to where that light was and they could see him what, basically walking through the light. Like the light was there and he basically was trying to find it, but he couldn't see it, but they could see it. So, you know, you just never know what that is. Is that, you know, I know I've heard some other kind of theories as well as, you know, trail of tears, you know. Especially up in Miami, you know, could it be the, you know, Cherokees, you know, energy or essence, you, you know, letting people know that there's, that the ancestors are still there, 
Um, you know, I, that's one thing that's just still crazy. But like, I go back to the jack o' lanterns. You know, those. You know, I've heard some people. You know, you know, say they're like a kind of a flame, like a kind of an orange flame. Sometimes the size of a baseball, sometimes the size of a basketball, and it almost kind of hops. You know, across the the uh, the pasture. Also, too, another thing that that could be an explanation is, you know, you deal with you know treasures. People used to, you know, even like European magic, they would put kind of not curses, but they put kind of protection on these these on these items. And so, you know, that could be another reason why, you know, if you see those things. If you follow the, the flame high enough, you know, you might be able to find some treasure. You know, you just never know. I mean. It's kind of crazy, but that's kind of a, a, a legend and a myth that's seen all over the place here in Oklahoma. Like I said, I know Miami, Ufala, Holbert, Stillwell. Um, uh, I have seen, I you know Wagner's. I heard I heard one out of Wagner, so it's kind of crazy. But um, it's definitely you know something that's kind of interesting to to kind of talk about. The next. Uh, kind of urban legend myth kind of creepy thing is uh phantom hitchhikers you know that's a thing that with a lot of stories i know like spirit talkers podcast we talked about it and i think they talked about it uh when i was in on an episode but you know but uh you know people you know picking somebody up and then they get to a certain point and they look back and there's nobody there well, this story comes out of, and the kind of origin comes out of Pryor. This is kind of in the Pryor area. But many people have reported a, a young boy about 12 years old trying to catch a ride off Highway 20, uh, like I said, in, in the Pryor area. He plays basketball and is totally willing to get in the car with you. Then he vanishes before uh, you're able to pick him up, or basically before you're able to drop him off at his destination. You know, a story that comes to my mind, you know, just here, kind of, I had a relative uh, my aunt, my great aunt, um, this was told by, uh, her daughter. She's, she's since passed, but, um, but basically how the story goes is my mom told me about driving back from West Chafala as a young girl. She seen a woman walking off the side of the road and my mom thought she recognized her. So she pulled over and asked the woman if she wanted to ride. The woman hit her face and shook her head. No, my mom kept on, kept on and the woman refused. So my mom just drove off. And she looked back and she was gone. The crazy thing about it is my grandpa told a similar story about that. You know, about uh, you know him seeing a, a similar, you know, woman walking the road. You know, I know up in New England they have the that kind of, was it the woman in white, I believe? But, you know, there's so many, so many tragedies happen, you know, in old days and, and even now that that energy is still harnessed and, you know, that's something that, you know, with Phantom Hitchhikers, you know, it's kind of creepy is, you know, what is that? You know, who is that? But a story that was told on, on Spirit Talkers podcast, man, was, um, which was a crazy story. But basically there was a group of women picked up these guys and they went and partied. Well, they come find out that these guys were dead. They passed away in a car accident and they hung out with them all night. I was like, man, that's creepy, but. That's another kind of urban legend that has been going on. And if you got any guys got any kind of phantom hitchhiker stories, you know, send them to me. I'd like to hear them. Next urban legend I want to talk about 
is something that everybody really, you know, everybody knows a lot about or knows a place about it. Um, but is, uh, the crybaby bridge. So this is, um, so I'm going to tell the one out of Katusa. Um, so according to the local legend, a Katusa woman raced across the old boggy bridge, uh, Friday, June 13th. Wow. That was just not too long ago. Uh, 1924. A fierce storm broke out and the woman was trying to hurry home. Um, the only passenger she had was a baby. Um, and that baby rested, you know, beside her. As the, the mother and the child crossed the bridge, a crackle of lightning frightened them and, and the horses that were pulling the carriage and it bucked wildly and then ended up tipping the, the carriage over. During the chaos and all this craziness going on with the lightning, you know, the mother, uh, basically lost hold of her infant. As she, as she like frantically searched the, the bridge, you know, she was yelling for help in the pouring rain. And she heard her baby let out a final cry, you know, from the from the river below. And she leaned over and then basically, uh, you know, leaned over and then just basically dove in and fell into the river. Uh, I wouldn't say dove, but I'd say she basically lost her footing and, and went in. And they never found those that mother and that child. But, you know, they say that, you know, if you go to that bridge... You know, on Friday the 13th, you can still hear that baby crying. And you can still hear, you know, different noises made. Um, you know, and, it, and one thing, too, it's kind of crazy that they do is, you know, basically each year they, they put roses out for, for, I guess, Bessie and Clissy, as, uh, I guess, headstones that were written later on, which is kind of crazy. But the bridge was bypassed in 2001. It's not open to the public, but you can see you can see it from that road. And... You know, that's kind of crazy, you know. I mean, there's all types of, uh, you know, crybaby bridges. I know that there's one in Eufaula. I can't remember the name of it. The one that's in Fort Gibson that crosses the river like you're going to the city of OK. Um, they they just recently built over that, or they built next to it. They, that old bridge, old iron bridge um, that they had in Fort Gibson. You know, we've heard different things. Mainly because I think it was a, you know, it was a civil war hub and, or, and, uh, so, you know, there's all types of energy out there. And, um, you know, I know of the, like I say, the one in Katusa. I know that there's, te there's technically one in Tahlequah, but, you know, you hear different things and you hear, you know, different stories and things. But, but if you've, if you've heard, uh, you know, kind of a crybaby bridge type story, um, or if you got an experience of it, just go ahead and, you know, shoot me an email. And um, I'd love to hear it. Next uh, kind of urban legend. And this one comes out of uh, Kanawha. And this is, is uh, Catherine Cross and her gravestone. So Catherine Cross is a, is a, uh, a woman about, this is, this happened over a hundred and something years ago. Um, but she was killed by human wolves, is what it says on her gravestone. Now, people from different, you know, types of investigation groups and, you know, different types of, how to say, paranormal groups, um, they have investigated this story and they have, you know, reportedly some people said they found where she was actually, 
you know, killed and all this stuff. And, you know, they've been investigating this for a lot of years. But what really happened is Catherine Cross um, was pregnant. And back in those old days, you know, there wasn't really a lot of places where you can go get an abortion or, you know, get the care that you need, especially if you, like, were a young girl. And, you know, she went to this doctor, and his name was Dr. A.H. Yates. And this doctor was kind of a seedy guy. Um, he had an assistant, which his assistant was unnamed in all this. But he basically had gave care to Catherine Cross, and then she um, had, had died. Uh kind of through through the medical operation. What's crazy about this story, and this kind of turns into a true crime story, but Dr. A.H. Yates had killed someone like a week or two weeks before that. Or it might have been days. It was pretty close. And her name, uh, and I cannot remember her, it was Elise something. Elise uh, Rose? I can't remember. But anyways... The woman that he had killed pri- uh, previous to Catherine Cross um, had 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 an affair with her coworker and became pregnant. Well, she was trying to find a way to get rid of you know the baby and have the baby and get rid of the baby. One thing about this time in 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 the world, um, actually, I, I saw a documentary. It's not crazy about in Georgia where you know young girls would get pregnant and they would go to this doctor. And the doctor would have, you know, deliver the baby, you know, but then sell the baby to another family. And, you know, that's happened a lot. I think even Ric Flair was a, was one of those types of babies. And so, you know, they were, they kind of thought that's kind of what he was doing, but then they ended up, you know, just basically, you know, trying to get him for first degree murder of Catherine Cross. Well, then it was reduced to manslaughter and he ended up beating that case. Well, he ended up still ended up going to jail for illegal operation, which he he was illegally operating, you know, an abortion clinic um, secretly. And so, you know, the family never really got any closure in that time. And about eleven years later, the the, the new sheriff and the new uh, uh, you know local police, you know, they decided to reopen it up, and they ended up you know kind of getting some justice, a little bit of justice, not a lot, but a little bit. Um, but you know, that's been, that has been kind of a crazy thing in Kanawha for a while, because I know I was watching a video of somebody saying, Oh no, it's werewolves. You know, there's dog men out here. There's, she was eaten alive, you know, and they kind of not fabricated, but they kind of just concocted this, this, le- this, this kind of paranormal type, um, story. And, but that's what happened. And on her gravestone is still pretty creepy though, is, um, you know, has her name, uh, and it's murdered by human wolves. And I think her headstone was actually stolen, um, but they restored it with the same phrase on it again. So it's kind of a crazy kind of a, a legend that, you know, had been circulating for a long time. And, you know, you just, you just really never know. And like I said, there's going to be more of these coming down the pipeline. Um, but I got one more. And this one, how I say this. I don't really believe in this one. I'm going to be honest with you. But I have had people tell me that they've seen something similar to this. And this is the legend of the Oklahoma octopus. So, Ten Killer, Thunderbird, and Eufaula. Um, and I think there's another one. 
that have reported that I have heard people tell me stories of them seeing an octopus crawling, a red octopus crawling across the road. I've heard stories of this. Um, you know, I, even as a young guy, I, people used to talk about this octopus, and especially in Eufaula. And I've heard it in Tin Killer. But they equate this to so many drownings. It's like there's, in those, in those three lakes, and I know there's another lake that I'm, I'm totally blanking on at this time. There has been, uh, there's always been an unnatural amount of drownings. And, you know, the local authorities always say, well, it could be, you know, it could be, you know, people getting drunk, it could be people, you know, not knowing how to really swim when they're intoxicated. And, you know, it could be, you know, it could not be. But one thing that is very interesting about, uh, this legend, um, is it was, it was, it was put on lost tapes um, by Animal Planet. Animal Planet used to be the home of like Monster Quest before History Channel. Like they used to have this series called Lost Tapes, and they used to have another series called uh, "Is Where I Found Out About uh, the Beast of Bray Road." And I cannot remember what they used to call that show, but they they used to do like in depth. And it wasn't Lost Tapes. I can't remember. But Lost Tapes was one of them, but they, they aired an episode about the, the Oklahoma octopus. Um, but that's where, you know, I learned about, uh, which eventually we're going to talk about Black Panthers in Oklahoma. Um, you know, they just confirmed, uh, recently about some things on that. And, but anyways, back to octopus. So, you know, the legend of those have been growing because of these drownings. And it's also very, you know, in these lakes, it's very murky. You know, you can't really see. Um, you know, I have, like I said, I have heard multitude of stories of people swimming and they feel like their leg is being wrapped around. I've heard, you know, I had a relative of mine say that they saw, you know, an octopus run across the road, which oct octopus can do that. Like they kind of, it's weird, but they, they can do that. But you look at the science side of this. Can... An octopus is usually in a saltwater environment. Can they last in a freshwater environment? And some of the, you know, some of the details and research, you know, fish and different types of, um, you know, aquatic type animals. You know, you look at the bull shark who was usually was not known back in the old day, like, you know, back, you know, before science could prove that they were freshwater. You know, we don't, you know, sometimes when a, in a, when a animal is put into a certain environment, that's what they're used to, but doesn't mean that they can't do something else or they can't live a certain other way or they can't adjust or adapt or, you know, thing and you know, basically evolve. And so I'm, I'm still out on this. I know that there, you know, there had been, you know, a report of somebody, you know, basically somebody, you know, kid drowning, um, and that was kind of a uh, thing in lost tapes that they they detailed um there's a guy who uh, you know he was interviewed on that and he swore that he he has had you know taken in hundreds of reports of people seeing red octopuses i've never seen it you know the research and you know i kind of have a hard time believing that but like hey shoot i believe in a lot of crazy stuff so you know <laughs> it could be real you know it could not be but uh that's all I got for you guys today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. You know, this is, like I said, a Father's Day edition. 
Um, you know, this is, you know, said dedicated to my, to my dad. And, you know, I know he likes hearing, you know, these types of, uh, kind of mysteries, myths, legends, things like that. And so hopefully you guys enjoyed it too. Um, you can catch me on Facebook, Yehola Tiger. If you message me on Facebook, sit, tell, let me know that you listen to the podcast. Um, and I'll add you back on Facebook. Um, TikTok and Twitter, one man band 918. Um, YouTube, I haven't really been posted to YouTube very much. Um, I'm just kind of you know, off of it. So all everything is basically going to be an audio format until I can figure out my formatting on YouTube. Um, and plus the, last, the, the some of the stuff I've been talking about is like kind of dicey on there and I don't really feel like getting a strike or anything. So anyways, but I appreciate you guys listening in. We hit 5k, um, as of the last episode. Um, I really appreciate a lot of people reaching out about observations part two. You know, I, I thought it was kind of spicy. You know, some people, you know, some people get their, you know, their, their, uh, their knickers in a bunch. Um, and you know, have opinions that differ mine. And so, but it's always good to, it's always good to hear that. But I appreciate, you know, you know, those kind words on that episode. And you know what, guys? I'll catch you on the next one.